When you think of a Texan, you probably picture a cowboy, maybe even a kid riding to school on a horse. And while that's sometimes the case, it doesn't quite fit for everyone. Texans come in all shapes, sizes, ethnicities, and backgrounds. And that's why the Austin American Statesman is proud to present Truly Texan, a podcast showcasing all the different people that make the Lone Star State so unique. Today, we're speaking with Aline Mayagoya, a Texas actress who is currently playing the role of Katherine Howard in the North American tour of Six, a musical based on the Six Wives of Henry VIII. So without further ado, let's get into the interview. Can you introduce yourself to our listeners with who you are and what you do? Yes. Hi, my name is Aline Mandaguetia, and I'm an actor, a writer, and I'm currently on the National Broadway tour of Six the Musical, playing Catherine Howard, which is Henry VIII's fifth wife. I was born in Mexico City, and when I was 10, my family chose Austin to immigrate to the United States, and I grew up just north of Austin in Cedar Park, and um, when I went to, um, when it was time for high school, I went to McCallum High School right there in the heart of the city, and I trained at Bella Austin, Zach Scott. Like, I've been all over Austin. That's that's my hometown, you know? I mean, Austin was the best place to grow up, especially as a young artist, because there were just so many opportunities to find training and to find community and to expand my horizon. The, the community all the way, you know, from student all the way to the professional is really welcoming. So I feel like I got really lucky um, in the art sense. I think in the in the cultural sense, there was definitely an adjustment period, especially because when I was in elementary school, the first school I went to was all the way up in Cedar Park. It was like almost Georgetown where we lived. And that I think, you know, the age of the kids and, you know, they probably didn't know any better, but I think there were a lot of kids that were like, Oh, you're from Mexico, like was there electricity in your house? And like, did you have to ride a burro to school? And a lot of that, which I think, you know, now I look back at it, like, it's just ignorance and curiosity. And so were you always a performer? Did you always have an interest in the arts? So both my parents are actors, and my mom is also a director. So I grew up backstage and on set with them, um, doing, you know, soap operas and, and directing musicals and stuff, and when we got to the U.S., I really wanted to, like, go be a Disney Channel kid. And really wisely, they said, if you want to make this your career, you have to train first. You have to get your life experience. You have to go to school. Really learn who you are. And then once you're older, you can audition and start this career. And that's exactly what I did. I mean, I trained really hard. I, I, I exhausted every resource Austin had to offer, which was pretty extensive and um and now I'm making I'm making a living doing musical theater which is what I've always wanted and I feel really lucky that I had their advice I went to the University of Michigan for musical theater and I had the best time it's a very prestigious program I I was in heaven for a musical theater nerd like me it was the best place I could have gone I know you said you grew up being around the arts because of your parents, but what was it about the performing arts that really drew you in? What, Where did that passion just within yourself come from? I mean, I love music. I think 
music will always make me, it will always influence me to whatever the music is saying. I can't turn that off. And then when it's coupled with, you know, a storytelling, the way that musical theater does, I I love just ever since I was like been hearing the plot of musicals in the car with my mom and she would play me the CDs of cast recordings she would bring from New York. I mean, I just, I loved it. Can you tell me a bit about the beginning of your professional career? Like what your first jobs were and just your experience with stepping into the professional world of musical theater and performing arts? My very first job as an actor was for a movie called Coronado. Um, and that was a really big budget American movie about like a fictional Latin American country revolution. And basically, I, I was just doing these, like, huge sound stages with green screens and, and special effects and, like, running away from bombs. And I think I was, like, six. And I love the fantasy of it. I mean, I love the make-believe of, you know, you're going to look at this green screen and pretend, like, your house is blowing up and, you know, run away from it. And then on the theater side, I got to be in a professional production of, of Annie in Mexico City. Um and I did that for over a year, uh, a, a nice long run. And I was one of the orphans. And I just had so much fun being a part of a big machine like that. You know, you become so close. And I remember the day the folk died. We're at the theater and we had to, like, stop the show. And everyone was crying. And I don't know. I, I just feel like there's nothing there's nothing closer than than a, a theater family, you know. And from then on, I just been like looking a way to get back to those environments. So, what brought you to six, and what were you doing before then? Can you just tell me about basically just the journey leading up to being in six? So after college, I moved to New York City, and I've been really lucky to work pretty consistently as an actor in theater, um, and a little bit of TV, and I was doing, there's a regional theater in Connecticut called the Good Speed Opera House, that's very prestigious. Hilariously, that's where the original production of Annie in the 60s started, so that's fun. Um they did a production of Cabaret, and I was cast as Sally Bowles, which has been a dream, dream role ever since I did Cabaret in Austin in seventh grade at Kids Acting, which, you know, we can, we can talk about the appropriateness of doing Cabaret in seventh grade, but, you know, um, it was it was still wonderful, and I just had always had that in my sight, so playing Sally Bowles was such a dream come true, and then... During my Mondays off from Cabaret, we would take the train into the city. We did four intense rounds of callback for Six Musical. Um, it's very intense because Six is its a pop concert. It's unlike any other musical. You, you have handheld microphones. You have in-ear monitors like real pop stars do in stadiums. You're dancing the entire time. You're backup dancers for the other girls while they're singing. And um, and it's all about creating an ensemble. So they did a lot of group callbacks, which is very uncommon in the professional world, where you go in and just switch roles around and sit in front of other actors, which never happens. And thankfully, I had a lot of fun. As hard as that process for six 
was. I, I had a lot of fun, and I think it gave me a sense that more than anything, what they needed was people with signature sound, like a signature personality, like just a very specific vibe that is uniquely there so that you can become a pop star in the sense that six needs, you know? It's it's the six wives of Henry VIII, like, reincarnated as modern pop stars, telling their story and reclaiming, you know, what happened in their marriages. Um, so going through that process while I was doing cabaret was really hard, but it was, it was really, um, it was really lucky. I think, I think they helped each other. You know what I mean? Like, I think the confidence that Cabaret gave me made it possible for me. And now we've been on the road for a year and, you know, playing Austin, playing Bass Concert Hall was one of the things that felt like just an even, even bigger sign from the universe that I was in the right place because I grew up seeing all the national tours at Bass Concert Hall and it's going to be really emotional for me to be one of the actors up there now. What has been your favorite part about playing your character? And can you tell us a bit about like who your character is in the show? So I play Catherine Howard. Uh, she is the fifth wife of Henry VIII. She was beheaded. She was killed when she was, we don't know if she was 17 or 19. You know, she was of, of noble birth. She was in the courts and stuff, but she was essentially an orphan because both of her parents just kind of like dropped her off as a, a headmistress and left. Um, and ended up having a really tragic life because a lot of, you know, as kind of an unsupervised girl, a lot of the older men around her took advantage of her. Um, all accounts say she was very beautiful and very charismatic, and but she was also uh, illiterate. Um, and... She didn't really have any formal schooling, so I think she was she was abandoned to kind of fend for herself, and a lot of men took advantage of her really young. So then when she married King Henry VIII, she thought that he was omnipotent. She thought that he was God, and he knew of her past, and that she had had sexual encounters before, so... When he found out that she had been in relationships with men before him, he considered that a huge betrayal um, and beheaded her. He just felt like essentially she had cheated on him before he even met her. <laughs> Musically, the song is so Britney Spears, which I love, and the the, the visual costume of it is very Ariana. I get to wear this like fabulous long pink ponytail that is so fun to swish around. Like, and the other thing is that they filled in her character, was making her kind of like weirdly she's kind of the most wise of the group. That's very much the Catherine Howard thing. Is like she's been through a lot, and um, and she knows that ultimately she has the most compelling story to win the competition because she's been through the worst. She had the worst life, you know? There's just a lot of vulnerability with the final chorus of the song that I sang, All You Wanna Do, when she realizes, like, oh my God, you're you just you just want me for my body. Like you don't you don't care about being friends with me. Tragically, there are a lot of young fans that relate to her story, whether from you know, the worst abuse 
to like being ignored or, or being, you know, objectified or being catcalled. Like, just every little person that I interact says like I relate to her story and it breaks my heart and I wish it were not so. I also I'm glad to give outside image and, and to see the story happen and to feel less alone. And to see that this has been happening since the beginning of time and that like it's up to our generation to stop it. The ultimate theme of the show is, you know, reproductive justice. I mean, it's like Henry was obsessed with having two male heirs, you know, the heir and the heir, and he went through six human beings to get there. And so many of these women had miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage and know that he probably didn't treat his wives very well and that they had no agency to say, like, I don't want to be pregnant anymore. Like, that just wasn't an option. And I think now with what's happening in Texas specifically, like, I'm just like, the, the, the mortality rate for young women is just, like, skyrocketing because we're just not taking care of pregnant people and we're forcing people to be pregnant when they have no business rearing a child. Um, so it does break my heart that, you know, 600 years after this takes place, we're still dealing with whether women should choose what happens to their body. I mean, it's, it's crazy that that question is still on the table for some people. What is it like to play not a fictional character, but someone who was a real historic figure and like the prep work that goes into that? I got the opportunity to go to Europe, went to the Tower of London and I went to Hampton Court Palace where all these women lived and to walk through the hallway that they literally say is haunted by Catherine Howard's ghost because the day she found out she was going to be beheaded, basically she, she didn't get to even make a case for herself. So she tried to make a run for it and run to him and, and, and plead her case and she ran down this hallway and... That's where they say her ghost is, which I don't I don't necessarily ascribe to that. Um, but I do find it really I know that at least living, she walked those halls. And I think it just gave me a lot of perspective for what that experience could have felt like. And that helps a lot. Um, and then, obviously, the Tower of London. I mean, there are some spooky, ooky vibes there. That that place is haunted. And and I got to pay my respects at the place where she's buried next to Anne Boleyn. So I got to light a little candle for them and whatever. They did their best. And I just hope that wherever they are, they're, they, if they know that we're doing six, I hope that they feel like at least we're trying to tell a version of their story that gives them more agency and that, that they get to speak for themselves, you know? And obviously Six itself is like, what I do on stage has way more to do with like Ariana Grande and Britney. Like realistically, it's way more of, you know, pop choreography, pop vocals, modern jokes. Um, but I think that foundation of what actually happened to these real wives is crucial. You mentioned how different Six is as a musical and that it's like a pop concert. You kind of have to be a pop star. What was that like to kind of transform into kind of a pop star persona? And 
How did your musical theater training help with that? Or like, and then what were some things that you had to learn that were, you know, specific to being a pop star? I think that the hardest thing about the pop star fix is the mechanics of the sound system. Because we, in a normal musical, you have speakers that, you know, now every musical is, is amplified with microphones. But in an ideal world, you don't even feel that. You know, it's just a little help, but you don't feel it. Um, so doing something like Cabaret, which was like a fabulous jazz band, just, you know, blasting out in an acoustic hall. Like, that's as organic as you can possibly get. And then with Six, it's like all electronic music. And basically, we hear our music director in our ears and these custom-molded monitors, which is the same thing that, you know, like Luis Miguel and Beyonce use in their concert um, to be able to keep keep on track with the music um, because it's electronic. So learning how to use a microphone and hear yourself in a very good quality detailed microphone. I mean, your voice sounds completely different and you don't even realize how much your technique is informed by the room you're in. So with that aspect of it, I mean, that, that was a really big learning curve. But now that we have it, it really helps the pop star fantasy of it, of just to having to like raise the mic up to your mouth right before you have to sing, you know, it, it helps. And the other thing that's really strange about Six is just the, the structure of it. It's, it's kind of like a, it's a competition show, which I think there's, I think structurally there's shows that are similar. Like I think a chorus line, you know, it's the big audition. They go down the line, everyone tells their story. And at the end, certain of them get cast. Or with cats, even, you know, it's a bunch of cats and you go down the line and at some point one of them gets to be reincarnated, right? Like, it's a similar structure, but the thing with Six is that it's really subversive about why why we make women compete with each other. And you'll have to come see the show and see what we do with that. <laughs> but it's really, it's really clever and... Um, I think it's a little bit of a thought experiment that, you know, it looks really glittery on the outside, but it's, it's actually quite, quite conceptual. <laughs> on that topic of competition between women, I just find that really fascinating and can't help but think of the real life behind the scenes, especially in how I think a lot of times women in theater can easily end up competing with each other for, you know, the spotlight for roles, anything like that. How has that played out with you and your castmates? And how has that view and experience and knowledge of competition informed your interactions and becoming like a positive working environment and maybe even family? I think the biggest thing is that since the auditions were so intense and it was, you know, these group callbacks, I think from the start they used to see like, who is handling this well? Like, who can be nervous for their own song and still clap and live and be, like, screaming for the other girls who are just as fierce as you are? Like, it, there really are some personalities that probably can't really do that. And thankfully, they cast just the most amazing group of 10 women. My motto 
before I say it before every show. We, we hold hands and we look into each other's eyes and we say, I got your back, I got your back, I got your back. We look, we make eye contact and with our bands too. Um, because it's there's no set, there's no props. It's just us up there, really. Um, so if if anything goes wrong, if your zipper starts to fall off, if your earring starts to fall off, I got you, I got your back. And I know that in our cast, we just have so much love for each other. We're just trying to make each other laugh and break our stage, you know? And that's a review we get a lot from our tour is, like, people say, like, we can tell y'all love each other. We can tell y'all are having fun. Like, I'm just so grateful for that because, you know, touring the country is also really hard. Like, we've been to 29 cities already. And that's, that's a lot. But, yeah, basically... I got so lucky with my cast of six and we've been really supporting each other because, you know, we also live together. That's the weird thing about tours. If you're on Broadway, then, you know, you show it's nine to five. You clock in, you do your, you hold to your husband, whatever. But on tour, like, it's me at the airport, at our Airbnb, at the hotel, at the rental car place. Like, we're together 24-7 and it's just like a different type of intimacy. I think to your other point about the competition, I think the biggest thing I've learned is that because there's so many cast of six, it is difficult to see the fans online comparing us because, you know, we're wearing the exact same costume, we're wearing the exact same songs and the same tees and the same tempo, the same story. So the comparisons are really, um, they're just so easy to go in and be like, oh, I like this one more than, you know, that's, that's, Obviously, that's very valid, but I think the mental game of of saying, okay, everyone's allowed to have, you know, their preferences or their favorites, but ultimately, I was chosen, I was chosen for this company with these girls, and I'm going to offer my best to whoever's in the audience tonight, and I know that they might, you know, love the original London cast or the original Broadway cast or or the Australian tour, the Canadian girls that just opened, you know. I think the best way to to combat that for me is to become friends with them. So I've been been chatting on Instagram with, you know, the Canadian queens and the the current London girl and the, the UK tour. And on the topic of tour, you mentioned that it can be a little difficult can you talk more about the tour experience and have you just been living out of like hotels and Airbnbs for the past year? Yeah. You know, what's, what's hard with the theater schedule is we have a six day work week. Um, so already that's unusual. Um, especially, you know, in today's day and age, like I have friends who work for tech companies that are moving to a four day work week. Like that sounds lovely. And and theater is going to be really slow to catch up on that. And, um, especially on tour, we do double shows on Saturdays and Sundays. So that really kind of backloads the amount of performances um, when you're the most tired. And, you know, on Sunday night, after your final show, you're exhausted. You go home to your hotel, you pack up everything you own, and then you wake up early to go to the airport the next day. So Monday, which is our day off, is sometimes the most difficult <laughs> of the week because... You're carrying, you know, your 50-pound suitcases, which as light as you try to get them, it's still like you need everything you need for your life. I mean, your whole apartment, the suitcases, um, and you're carrying that, you know, all across America. So 
it is hard. It is hard to not have real days off, especially because my tour moves really quickly. We, you know, we've done 29 cities in, in a year. I think we're going to, we're going to do 33 cities within our first, um, chunk. Like I think by the time we hit, I think San Antonio is city for 33, is what I'm saying. Um, so that is really different from the experience of doing, for example, a first national tour that goes you know, you're doing San Francisco for eight weeks, and you're doing Boston for eight weeks, and you're doing D.C. for three months, or Chicago, you know, like, you get to kind of settle and have a rhythm in each city, and then you move five times, and then your year is over, whereas with us, it's like, we've just been going, 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 but I just thought it's so rewarding, because we get to be, I mean, you know, we've been to like Des Moines, Iowa, and Fayetteville, Arkansas, and we got to be like the coolest thing going on there that week. And that has been so rewarding, especially, you know, again, like I saw every tour that came through Austin. So to me, it's the greatest honor to, to bring this show to all the Austin tour fans. Can you share some of your favorite memories from tour so far? Maybe some favorite places you've been or shows that really stood out for you? Honestly, I realize that I really love college towns. Every time we go to a college town, they are so much more walkable. There's always late night food available. And they just feel generally like more friendly and welcoming to like a young woman alone. So every time we're in a college town, obviously Austin is that. Um, we love that. And... I, I don't know. I think there's just been some cities that have really surprised me that I had never been to. I mean, again, like as, as a Mexican immigrant, like I really haven't seen much of the United States. Um, but for example, Des Moines, Iowa was so cute. And Milwaukee, I really loved. Um, we were just in Cleveland for a while. Cleveland is fierce. I mean, I have no idea. Um, Tucson, I think the Arizona, the, the Tucson and um, Tempe were also two of my faves because I just love the desert. It felt so home there. Um, but yeah, we were in Vegas for our open two weeks, a, a very interesting place. I mean, you know, very happy to be there for two weeks, but it's so, it's so strange. I'd never been to Vegas before. And now I'm like, whoa, I get it. Like a mirage. Well, as we come to the end of our interview here, there's a question that I ask everyone who comes on the podcast as a tie-in to its name, um, and that is, for you, what does it mean to be Texan? Wow. I love that question. I didn't realize until I moved to Michigan how lucky I was that in Texas, everyone is a little bit Mexican. Everyone. Whether you know it or not. It's just so seeped in the culture, like, not just genetically, but, like, in the air. It's just everything in Texas is a little bit Mexican. I mean, of course, there's Mexicans everywhere, but I can tell you that at the theater program at the University of Michigan, it was me and only one other kid, and that's it. And I think now I really appreciate that I was able to keep so much of my culture in Austin um, and learn from all the other cultures that are in Austin, because I mean, God, Austin is so international. And I will say, so I went to McCallum high school and I remember my teacher telling my, my high school theater or high school history teacher telling us 
that McCallum High School, at least at that time, I don't know anymore, had pretty much the same racial makeup as the country as a whole. The pie chart of McCallum looks very similar to the pie chart of the United States. And that is so, so rare because now school districts are so discriminatory and so segregated that no one really gets to interact with other <laughs> people of, of other, you know, backgrounds and, and, and incomes and, and races and ethnicities. So that experience that I got to have at McCallum being in a truly diverse environment was the greatest education I could have gotten because it fed me so much as a human being and, um, and as an artist. So I'm just so grateful for that. Now, obviously, people can find you on tour, but where can they find you online? You can find me online on Instagram and TikTok. Um, it's, my handle is just my name, Aline Mayagoitia, A-L-I-N-E-M-A-Y-A-G-O-I-T-I-A. Well, thank you so very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to tell your story on Truly Texan, head over to the Austin American Statesman website and fill out our submission form. This podcast is hosted and edited by me, Hannah Ortega. You can find me on Instagram at HannahOrtegaATX. ATX.